Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the Atlanta Man podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and I'm back once again with Evan Etheridge to talk. Yo, yo, yo. Some Hawks, some Falcons stuff finally. First time in a while we could talk about the Falcons and a little bit of Brave stuff too, as always. Uh, but once again, this will be a predominantly Hawks driven episode because they're the only team that's actually playing sports right now. And it wasn't a particularly fun week at all for the Hawks after they had uh, one of their best weeks of the season last year. And it seems that they are we're on the up and up, trying to trying to figure things out. Looks like they're starting to figure things out. And uh, they've kind of taken a step back here. They go one and two on the week, including two losses to the Clippers and Bulls. And their one win was a win on the road in Oklahoma City. Um, so, yeah, they're back at 500, 25 and 25 through 50 games maybe the most mid team in the NBA so far this season. So before we get into the games, do you have any just uh, overarching thoughts on the the squad right now? Because it just uh, seems they take one step forward and two steps back all season. Yeah, they kind of uh, came back to earth a little bit after the the five-game win streak last week. Um, but yeah, I mean, like a couple of these games didn't even feel like they were they were in it. I mean, it just it just seemed like – it just felt like a loss from from the get-go pretty much. Like that's the feeling I had watching these games. Um but yeah, that's that I mean, mid, you said it, we're mid. I mean, like yeah. 25 and 25. So, yeah. Yeah. They've been perfectly average as far as record goes, but uh, we can start talking about the games now. And um first one of the week was against the Bulls on the road and uh the losses won 111 to 100. Just a very inconsistent offensive performance. They had some good offensive quarters. Um, not, I wouldn't say like good, good, but solid in the second and third quarter. But then in the first and fourth quarter, they only scored 21 and 22 points in those two. Um, but a uh, good thing for them in the first quarter, the Bulls were terrible on offense. They were somehow even worse than the Hawks, only scoring 17 points. So they had the lead after the first quarter. But um, as, it, uh, as it's happened like many times this year, the Hawks had their trademark terrible quarter in the second where they gave up 40 points. Um, and that was where they scored 27. So it wasn't a complete disaster. It's like they only scored 20 points in that quarter, but giving up 40 is never good. Um, and that put them down at halftime. They had a pretty good third quarter. They won the quarter by nine to get back in the game. But then uh, going into the fourth quarter tied, they lose the fourth by 11 points to lose 111 to 100. And uh, just, just a rough one on the road. They turned the ball over 18 times, which is uh, something the Hawks are usually pretty good at, just taking care of the basketball and offense. They were not doing that at all in this one. I, th- I believe Trey had six turnovers by himself. Yeah, he did. And uh, that's a bit too many for him. Collins had five, which is a lot for him, especially with a guy that doesn't yeah. touch the ball as much as Trey does or DeJounte. Um, but, uh, yeah, what would you think about this one? Because it was just a, kind of an ugly, weird game. And, um, yeah, just kind of a eh, like meh, just – Hawks have played a lot of kind, a lot of these kind of games this year. Yeah, I mean, you described it perfectly. We, you know, eighteen turnovers and the Bulls had nine. Like, they took care of the ball. We didn't. I mean, it's not like we got absolutely outplayed in this game. We just couldn't take care of the ball. And they had a lot of, they had, you know, nine more opportunities off turnovers to to capitalize, and and we just didn't, we just didn't take care of the ball. And that's the bottom line. So, um, yeah, this this was a rough game for sure. After after coming off that 
that atrocious game against the the, the Charlotte Hornets uh, last week. So this was this was a tough one, man. It, you know, it, it was looking a little dark after this game. Not gonna lie. Yeah, it was a pretty pretty tough loss there, but uh, they were able to bounce back a little bit in the next game against the Thunder on the road, a one thirty seven to one thirty two win against the Thunder. A pretty good game from Trey here. Him and SGA were really going back and forth. It was a really nice basketball, really, from the two of them um, until the fourth quarter, really, where things got kind of mucky on offense for both teams. It was just a bunch of hero ball, a bunch of ISOs, which wasn't fun to watch. That's not a fun style to watch when guys aren't making shots, and that really wasn't happening. Murray was kind of uh, to blame for that, too, as he was he had a rough fourth quarter until the very end. I'll say that. But uh Hunter was out again in this game. He missed that Bulls game too. I forgot to mention that, but him and Akong were both out against Chicago. Um, Hunter had an asthma issue that caused him to miss a couple of games, which is not something you see a lot of guys having asthma, kind of a childish thing to have happen. But uh, <laughs> uh, don't really see that much from um, athletes, but, you know, hope Hunter's doing well. He is pleaded in up playing again this week, so it seems like he's doing better. But uh, yeah, him and him and the Kongwu were out in the first game. A Kongwu came back in this one, but it was a really good offensive game for the Hawks. Like I said, they scored 137 points in four quarters. That's always good. Uh, had three quarters, they scored uh, 30 points. The first and second, they almost scored 40 in both of those quarters. So, what are your thoughts on the offense of this one? Because um, Thunder, Thunder, are not a great defensive team, but it's still an impressive outing overall. Yeah, like I, I, I don't understand Hunter, man. Like, how are you as a professional missing games because of <laughs> asthma? Like, it must no, have been kidding. something bad. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have asthma, so I don't know how bad it must get bad. So it's kind of weird that you don't see that a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my conspiracies that like asthma is not real at all. So, um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like, if you look at the box score of this game, like, like every single starter for the Hawks, they were in the negative. Like, and then you you, you scroll down and, and look at Oklahoma City. Like Williams and Shea, they were all in the positive. So you're like, okay, how did we how did we win this game? But then if you take a look at the uh the bench, I mean our bench, Okongu plus twenty one, AJ Griffin plus twenty two, Jalen Johnson plus thirteen. Like we we got some great minutes out of those guys. And uh <clears throat> I mean, we were scoring the ball scoring the ball like crazy. There was there was no defense in this game. Like absolutely none. Like like Josh Giddy was just torching us like I, I've never seen him play live and uh he's got a, a quite an interesting game like he's definitely from Europe like you know you, you can Aussie. just tell he's a he's an Aussie guy oh Aussie yeah okay well yeah, yeah. he has that style he's that, from down that, under yeah okay um but yeah I mean one, we put up 137 like yeah we deserve to win that game like just the offense went nuclear and and shout out to DeJounte uh at the end of the game with a clutch block like we can talk about that final play, but I don't really understand what they were doing there. Um, you know, going for two when they're down three. So if you want to, if you want to talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, that was very confusing. Um, you know, I'm a big SGA fan. He's one of my more favorite players in the league that aren't on the Hawks. I, I love watching him play and he was really good in this game. Um, but he had a really just head scratching possession. And this is kind of what I was saying earlier about the hero ball. Like he was doing too much, but not enough at the same time somehow by not passing the ball and going for two when you're down three fairly in the game. But he just would took it straight to the rim and you know, just a terrible possession. Missed missed the layup. DeJounte with a nice play there, but it was just um yeah. It, it, that was pretty bad. And that pretty much ended the game right there, too. So yeah, I don't know what he was doing there, 
but I appreciate it because you know if he if he would have took matters into in his own hands and tried to take a three, he might have made it. He only made one three all game, only one he took. Um, but uh, yeah, there if you would have dished it out to Giddy or Dort or something, and they made a three, like it was good for the Hawks. But uh, just a really weird play by SGA, who has been really good this year and good in this game. But yeah, he, he the fourth quarter was just bad basketball in my opinion, um, offensively. Like I hate like this is when the Hawks offense gets bad is when they play like this. Um, you know, it doesn't really show in the box score because both teams scored 28. That's a pretty solid offensive quarter. But just the pace of this game was so high and the defense was just bad too. Like it, like that wasn't a good – it was just not good to watch at all. Um, but, yeah, that's that's all I got. That's all I got on that because it was just it was just weird. The SGA play, all of it was just weird watch in the fourth quarter for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Trey, Trey went off like uh, another 30 and 10 game. I think he, he just passed magic Johnson, like yeah, seventh all time. That is crazy. I saw that. He's too. 24. That yeah. He's 24. Is... Like what? <laughs> you know, yeah. And Trey, like he's not having the greatest season ever this year, but um, I saw the other day, like the Hawks on and off splits when he's on the bench, still uh, the offense and like the offense is just, it just, craters when he's off the bench or when he's on the bench and uh, even with DeJounte and like the numbers with just DeJounte leading the offense are bad like you know Trey he's not having the greatest season that's obvious but the offense is still just so much so much better with him on the court and um, that just kind of shows you just how good he is he is still really good and passing Magic Johnson in anything even if you're like 38 years old (laughs) is impressive when you're 24 years old and you pass Magic Johnson of anything is that's an insane number, especially like an assist stat. I mean, Magic Johnson might be the best passer ever. So it's, that's, that's just really, that's really crazy. When they, when they showed that on the broadcast, that was just like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe that's real. Um, but uh, yeah, just a fun offensive game for the most part um, with them going off. Trey was great, um, but uh, they were not able to keep any momentum going into that, into this Clippers game, their lone home game of the week against Los Angeles it was a 120 to 113 loss. Uh, Kawhi and Paul George are both playing in this game, which that is not a given in uh, games against the Clippers these days. Um, but when they're both healthy, they're a good team, and they played well in this game. And they beat the Hawks pretty soundly um, towards the end. The Hawks did come back and make it a competitive game in the fourth quarter. I think they got it down to as little as a four-point deficit, which is definitely – uh, something that they could handle and are able to come back and take the lead, but never, never really happened. The Clippers were just out of their mind shooting the three ball in this game. Um, 19 of 39 from three, uh, 48.7%. Really, and I mean, all the daggers. I know Nicholas Batum had a dagger corner three in this one. He he made a few of them. Um, and the Hawks, on the other hand, were terrible at from three. They didn't shoot the ball nearly enough from three. 27 attempts, only made seven of them. Um, not even 26%, just really, really bad uh, three-point shooting. And, um, you know, the Hawks actually played very well early in this game. They had an 11-point lead, and this was the 10th time this year the Hawks lost a game where they led by 10 points, which is not what you want at all. So, uh, yeah, what do you get on this one? Because it uh, was not not fun to watch as uh, they kind of had to scrape and claw after getting up early in this one. Yeah, I actually didn't even know that uh, 10th loss when they were up by 10. I mean, that's just – that's pretty poor. I know a couple of those were like late, like late blown leads. Um, yeah, this was half. an early one, so it's not as bad, but yeah, there have definitely been worse ones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you hit it, you hit it right on the head. Like 
only shooting 27 threes. Um, you know, they, they shot 12 more than us and they almost shot 50%. Um, so it's, it's hard to win like that. Um, I know Kawhi is on a historic run right now. That's not being talked about enough. Um, I actually want to read off his last, like nine games, I think 32, 27, 25, 30, 36, 27, 30, 24, 33, 29. Like this dude's averaging like peak Kawhi, like 30 points a night. And, and he's shooting the ball at, historic rates. I mean, shooting 56% from the field, like, um, you know, with his defense, like him and George on the court, uh, they're, they're, a, they're still a, a very underrated duo, I think. Um, but yeah, you're just not going to win games when you're not shooting enough threes and, and you're shooting poorly. So, you know, that, that, that's really the recap of this game. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's really, it's not that simple, but it kind of is like when, uh, I mean, this, this, this day and age of NBA basketball, like the three ball is a very important part of it. And the Hawks just have not been able to figure that out this year yet. Uh, they're 29th in the league in three point attempts per game. And they're 25th in three point percentage. Like that's just, it's not going to get it done. And I mean, if you had told me that at the beginning of the year, I would say they're probably have a worse record than at 500. I, I would probably say they've lost 30 games instead. Like it's uh bad numbers. They've been bailed out by their defense being a little bit better, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's just not good. And you know, Trey in this game, he had 31 and 10 again, which, you know, like it's he's the only guy that can kind of make 31 and 10. You just kind of shrug your shoulders because I mean, he wasn't like on fire in this game either. He made only took two threes and missed both of them. Um, he was a little bit better from two, got to the line a lot, got to the line 14 times. Yeah. And uh, that's that's a good number. But no one else on the team really gets to the line like Trey does, like even close. I mean, the second guy was Hunter. He got to the line four times like. That's another problem with the offense, too, is Trey is the only guy that is, like, above average at getting to the free throw line. No one else can draw fouls like him. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a problem, and it's just kind of these problems are persistent and they haven't really been fixed. And, uh, yeah, it's it's just they kind of gave back all the goodwill they gained last week with the uh, win streak and nice wins over the Knicks and all that. It was just this is depressing week of basketball. Like it's just they play a depressing style of basketball when they're when they're when they're not going right. But when they're going right, they're a ton of fun, ton of fun to watch. And it's just not happening right now. So, yeah, I got a, I got one question to ask you, though, before we move on. And uh, it is in regards to the trade deadline. So the trade deadline is on February 9th. So not this Thursday, but the next. Do you think there is any possibility that the Hawks are sellers at the trade deadline this year? No. Um. No way. I don't think so. Um, look, I still I still really believe in this team. And like we have the talent when we're clicking, everyone's healthy. I, I truly believe that you I, I would take us in a seven game series. Like I really want to do this real quick. Like look at the standings, like like us versus hmm, Miami, like seven game series. Like I could see us winning that. Um, but like Boston and Philly, like I don't know. E, Milwaukee. E, e. Like yeah, top three. And then even Brooklyn. Even Brooklyn is very good, but they're beatable. Like I would I say think... if the if the Nets have KD healthy, then it gets a lot harder. But even with KD, like they, they could. I mean, if they play to their potential, then I mean they could probably beat most teams. But it's yeah. just a, a question is if are they gonna do that? I mean, it's kind of just a question when it comes to these regular season games, like are they going to play to their capabilities? And most of the time this year, it's been no. And that's why they're 500. And 
That's why they're in the play-in right now. So, yeah, and, I mean, uh, I think I think there's definitely room for improvement. You can make a move, but I don't think we're going to be full on sell like plan for the future, like scrap this season. I I don't think we'll do that just because we just acquired Murray and and like you know we had a little hope coming into this year and and like there's a lot of question marks around Trey and his future here, um, which I hate like that we're even having to hear these rumors. Um, but no, I don't think we'll be sellers. I think we'll try to improve the team. You know, if Nick Ressler or, or you know Tony or whoever's running the team, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I think I think they'll reach out and try to get some help. You know, we, we really are missing a couple role players. I think <coughs> Kevin Herter, <coughs> Delon Wright, <coughs> could have had him. Could have <laughs> him. Something, something in your throat or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like we're we're we're, we're hovering right now. Um, right at 500, the eight spot, you know, like we are so close to being the six seed. Like it's, it's insane. Like two and a half games back of Miami at the six seed. Like I, I just don't see a reason to sell. I mean, especially with the expanded playoff, um, you know, definitely anybody can get in. Anybody can get hot at the right time. That, that's what this team's about. Uh, getting real streaky. And when one thing I want to see, if everybody's wearing a headband, you wear a headband. All right, Trey yeah, we Young. talked about this. We talked Trey about this on Saturday. Don't don't be a, a buzzkill, man. Put the freaking headband on. Like, we need some mojo around this team. We need you. You know, we need some. We need some flavor. We need some. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they need a they need a some morale thing, some locker room stuff. Like, yeah, like the headband. I mean, it would have been better if they would have won with the headbands. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> so I don't know if they're gonna make an appearance tonight again. Um, but yeah, like it. Yeah, I know uh, Bogey and Trey weren't wearing headbands. I think they were the only two. I don't think Clint was wearing one either. Yeah, Clint, but Clint usually wears one, which is kind of weird. I don't right. know. So, yeah. I, but on the trade deadline, I do agree with you. I just wanted to ask to see, because I thought about it the other day, if uh, they, they're they about to go on a West Coast trip, which yep. are historically tough for really any sport. Baseball, for sports, we play a lot of games like baseball and basketball. Um, but uh, it, the, I, I saw their um, like 538 projections for the Hawks and these games, and they're like, underdogs in all of them so i was just thinking if they just go out and have a stinker of a trip like could there is there any chance that they um sell and like they don't really have a ton to sell really because like they're not going to trade trade they're not going to trade i mean they could trade collins but i feel like their their idea of trading collins is not selling they'll somehow think they got better which i disagree with um but like i think the one thing i thought about like of a true selling move was like they trade like Capella. Like, I don't think they're going to do it, but if they did that, that would be like, they'd be, they'd be so much worse and it would just be like a retooling for next year. But I, you're right. The point with Trey, like I, going to tell Trey with a straight face that uh, you're selling this season after being in the Eastern Conference finals two years ago, getting Murray this off season. I can't imagine that goes over well. And, uh, and I mean, there, yeah, like, I don't know if um, none of the trade rooms are, legit or have any kind of validity to them um, i hope not at least but that would be a way to open the door to that by doing something like selling and um especially when you consider nick and tony uh tony has been notoriously just impatient and wants to win badly so i don't think it, w- it wouldn't be in his nature to sell so i, I don't think it think they uh are gonna sell at all but also when you look on the other side of the coin of them buying like they wouldn't go into the tax last offseason and you're right up against it. So, like, the only guys you could really acquire are guys like are on cheaper deals, like rookie contracts and 
teams really don't want to sell guys in their rookie contracts because they're kind of like the, the quote unquote future of their teams. Like I know the Lakers kind of just did it by getting Rui Hachimura, but he's kind of like a, I don't want to say he's a bust, but he's been disappointing so far. Like, so I feel like without going into the tax, those are the only kind of moves you can make or like just trying to get a guy that's on a rookie deal and is, has the talent of just struggling and they could use guys like that. Um, for sure, but it's like I just can't imagine them making a huge splash either at the deadline. But uh, yeah, you got any thoughts on the pieces they could buy if they're uh, still in on the season? Which I think they they will be at by the time of the trade deadline. Yeah, actually, um, you know, I don't have any specific names right now. I think, um, I think next week we can come out with like a little list of some some guys that yeah, for sure, you know, we'd like to see and 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 stuff like that. Um. But yeah, like you said, West Coast trip, like it's going to be super interesting. You know, Trailblazers tonight, Suns, Jazz, Nuggets, uh, and then Pelicans coming back home. Um, so tough schedule, like no doubt about it. Um, but but we'll see what they do, man. I, I know the Suns are struggling. Portland isn't that good. You just got to take care of Dame. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see how the Pelicans look this year. I actually, you know, they look a lot better. You know they just got Brandon Ingram back. Zion's doing his thing. So <clears throat> some exciting, some exciting games. I know I'm going to be up late watching them. Um, yeah. You know, hopefully, hopefully they turn up a little bit. So I'm ready. Yeah, Portland tonight. Um, I think the Hawks are better than the Trailblazers, but it is a road game, so it is. Uh, and I mean the Hawks, are, like I said, they're underdogs. Um, according to the projections, which uh, it's a bit surprising, but Portland's not like awful, awful. And then the Phoenix, they're without Devin Booker, so that game gets easier automatically. Utah is coming down to earth, but the uh, the one game that I circled that I would just be kind of stunned if the Hawks won would be the Denver game. Uh, first of all, Denver is really good. I think they're number one in, or number two in the West right now. They're about 20 games over 500. Jokic, yada, yada, yada. They're very good. But uh, it is – players have always said that back-to-backs, having to go to Denver after is like the hardest thing to do, and especially when the Nuggets are good. So – I mean, it would be like very much like the Hawks, like lose to the Jazz and beat the Nuggets. <laughs> but uh, I would be pretty surprised if they beat the Nuggets on ne- next Saturday. Like that could be a blowout, in my opinion. But I'd love to be proven wrong. And hey, I'm that sure would a- the- uh, that would actually be a serious sweep. You know, we beat them earlier in the year. That's right. Yeah, we did. We beat them without Trey too. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. I'd be I'd be surprised if we won that one. Um, I believe early in the year it was on a back to back, so I'm, I'm sure that helped matters. But um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what the spread is when that game when that when that comes out on a Friday or Saturday. That'll be interesting. So, yeah, it's gonna be a big big West Coast trip because that'll take you all the way. The last game before the deadline is next Tuesday out on the road against the Pelicans. So yeah, the day of the deadline, you're back at home against Phoenix. So I'm sure we will know a lot more about the Hawks by then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Deadline moves if they played well, um, all kind of stuff. So. Yeah, you got any uh, final thoughts on these birds before we move on to uh, a little bit of Brave Stock? Nah, man. Nah, man. I think we covered it all. Yeah, I think we did. We did. Okay, so talk about the Braves a little bit now. Uh, we had one pretty big piece of news this week, and that is that uh, Brian Snitker got extended through the 2025 season. Um, you know, not really like a, a bit surprising, but it's not because anyone thought Snitker was going to be done managing anytime soon. Um, I guess if he wanted to retire, it'd be the only way, but I feel like that's just kind of at the point we are with Snit that he's just going to manage until he retires, unless something goes terribly wrong. But he gets a new contract uh, through 2025. And yeah, 
I'm fine with it. Love Snit. Happy for him. Get some security. Get a little money. And uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Because um, nothing too surprising about Brian Snicker staying the manager at all. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Um, shout out to Snit, man. I uh, I loved his 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 answer to the uh, like he was doing some interview. At, I don't know if it was a charity event or or what, but someone asked him, "Would uh, would the Braves ever consider si- signing a guy like Trevor Bauer?" And he just straight no. up said no. No, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, didn't oh, even yeah. entertain the thought of it. No, not at all. So yeah, shout out to Snit Man. Glad he's back. You know, he's he's growing on me a little bit. He's like a I don't know, he's like a he's like a grandpa to me now. So <laughs> shout out yeah, to Snit Man. Kind of. And I'm sure in um what in about two months time we'll be criticizing some bullpen moves from him and it'll be like It'll be like we never left, so I can't wait for that. That's going to be great. Um, but yeah, I'm happy for him. Uh, you know, he's he's going to be around for a while. And he deserves it. He's done a fantastic job. Uh, so yeah. yeah, pretty 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 cut and dry there uh, with Snit. But uh, the next thing is uh, we we pretty much talked about this mostly last week about Chip Carey. Um, at the time we recorded, it wasn't like official that he was going to the Cardinals. Um, but like right after we recorded, it became official. Um, but he is the new play-by-play guy for the Cardinals and the Braves have a vacancy. We pretty much covered that all last week, but um, I would expect the Braves to kind of uh, make their move for a new guy pretty soon because I know Bally does some spring training games with like they'll do it with Chip and Jeffrey and Coors. So I'm assuming they want a guy to do that. So I think in the next week or two, they should have a new play-by-play guy. So yeah, you got any more thoughts on that? I mean, we pretty much talked about it all last week. So yeah, no, they should, they should announce them very soon. I know they just posted a little, picture about chip carry on valley sports twitter and braves made a little video about him it's you know you know it's it's all uh it's all in the past so yeah i'm, I'm ready to get a new guy in here <clears throat> so it's gonna i'm gonna miss chip a little bit i'm gonna miss his voice uh but i'm not gonna miss his his antics you know some sometimes of, yeah, some, some of the old man yelling at the cloud stuff for sure won't be missed but but yeah overall positive for chip i mean i'm a fan i, I agree like chip. i agree he is a def- divisive guy but i i overall like chip he's had some great calls over the year i know some of them were floating around this week like the jason hayward home run his first mm-hmm. ever homer first ever at bat that was a great call um the vaughn grissom home run this year his first Boston. one was a great one too he can call a home run even though he would get excited about some that would land at the warning track from time to time, mm-hmm. but uh, who doesn't? I would do that too. <laughs> um, I, I do that when the sounds off. I don't even know he's doing it. So yeah, uh, like Chip, best of luck to him with the Cardinals. So uh, yeah, that's all the Braves talk we got. Uh, still kind of at the dead spot in the baseball offseason until spring training rolls around. Um, Elvis Andrews still out there. Just gotta just gotta throw that in. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> All right, uh, so yeah, we can move on to the Falcons now. And the Falcons have made their hire at D.C. Uh, they hire Ryan Nielsen. He was the D-line coach for the New Orleans Saints, uh, the beloved New Orleans Saints, among us Falcons fans. Um, he probably was brought over by Terry Fontenot himself, who was the former assistant GM, now current GM of the Falcons, but he used to be part of the Saints organization also. He was a name that was uh, floating around out there along with you know, the Vic Fangios, who he ended up going to the Dolphins today, uh, Brian Flores, and uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, the Broncos, D.C., who the Falcons tried to get. Uh, Steve Wilkes, too. He didn't get the Carolina job as the head coach. So he's out there as a D.C. candidate, but I know Cordero Patterson wanted him. He wanted him or Fangio. Um, he was uh, really saying that on Twitter. He was giving us two cents. Didn't happen for him. Um, I saw a note he had a follow-up tweet saying that he's just done with the recommendations because they're not listening to him. <laughs> um, but uh, 
Yeah, I would have liked either of those guys too, but Nielsen, I think, is a fine hire. Um, you know, the Saints, they've had some good defenses in the past. Um, you know, they they weren't super great last year. We're going back and looking at the numbers, some of their pressure rates and sack rates and all that. Um, weren't super impressive um as a D-line coach, but I still think it's a fine hire and Fontenot's familiar with them. And um, I know Marcus Davenport is a free agent, so I think him coming to the Falcons is a real possibility with Fontenot and Nielsen in Atlanta now, some familiarity there. Um, so, yeah, what are your thoughts on this move? Because I think it's I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I think it's a good move. Um, uh, I think if you went and hired Brian Flores or, or Steve Wilkes or, or a couple of those guys and they had a good year, year one, they'll be a head coach, you know, somewhere in the league next the next yeah. year. So um, I think this is a safe, you know, this guy doesn't have any – um, prior work being a defensive coordinator. So it's going to, it's a little bit of a reach. We'll see how it plays out. Um, but you know, he's surrounded by great coaches at the saints. I mean, you know, they've always had a stout defense and a stout D line with, with cam Jordan and stuff. Um, but I think this might be a little move to, to bring cam Jordan over, you know, I, yeah. I, I would love to see cam Jordan over here, even though as much as I hate him, as soon as he puts on that black and red, man, I'm, you know, I, I'm a fan now. So, I'm just kidding, but uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of like them going out of the ordinary and, and hiring this guy. Um, he's young. He's, you know, I don't know too much about him, but I'm excited for his time in Atlanta and we'll see what he's got. Yeah, it um kind of like how the Falcons have really operated their entire overhaul of GM and coaching. Like I know Arthur Smith or Terry Fontenot, they weren't the sexiest option out there for GM or head coach, but that's the direction the Falcons went. They seem to be pretty good moves at the moment. Um, Fontenot, I'm still a bit TBD on after the whole Deshaun Watson thing last year, but um, I like Arthur Smith. I think that was a good hire, um, but yeah, this is a big off season for Fontenot. I know we talked about that a little bit, um, but this is a solid move. Um, you know, obviously the Falcons defense and their uh, getting to the quarterback has forever been an issue with the Falcons um, really ever since the monster Vic Beasley year of the Super Bowl, <laughs> which is kind of weird to say. But um, yeah, hopefully you can um, improve that. Um, you know, the Falcons are kind of linked to some edge rushers in the draft this year. So that could uh, be a new toy for Nielsen if the Falcons went in that direction with the number eight pick. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a fine move. Um, you know, no, no complaints here. You know, I would have like I would have liked Steve Wilkes a lot. Uh, again, again, to see what he did with that Panthers team this year. The fact that they almost made the playoffs was pretty insane. Um, and I. I was kind of uh, I wasn't super surprised that he didn't get the Carolina job and sticking as the head coach, but uh, yeah, he he would have been he would have been good. But I'm I'm fine with Nielsen. It is just always kind of weird. I felt the same when we got Fontenot just picking off from the Saints. I don't I don't love that. That's just kind of like a fan thing. Like it's just I don't want the Saints leftovers. It's kind of like yeah, I don't I don't like that. But you know, at the end of the day, if he helps the Falcons win, that's all that all that matters. And I I think he's got a good chance of doing that. So uh, yeah, you got any uh. Last things to say about old Ryan Nielsen. Yeah, Ryan Nielsen, like defensive line coach. Can we please get to the quarterback? Um, I saw this stat yesterday. It just blew my mind. <clears throat> so the Eagles had 70 sacks this year. The Falcons had 21. We're yeah. not getting to the QB enough, and and hopefully Ryan Nielsen has a good game plan, you know, run some stunts, run some trickery, you know, Bring bring the blitz from the corner. I mean, just get to the QB, man. We need twenty one's pathetic, honestly. So, we'll see, man. We'll see. Yeah, I, I just pulled this up as soon as you said that. Um, Falcons had twenty one sacks this year. 
last year, TJ Watt set the NFL record and he had 22 and a half. So he had <laughs> a sack and a half more than the entire Falcons team this year. <laughs> One player. So wow. yeah, that is, it has forever been an issue. Um, you know, they, they finally made some strides at offensive line, which was the other forever issue with the Falcons. Um, at least, at least um, run blocking. Yeah. Uh, they were really good at that this year. Uh, pass blocking was still not great, but um, yeah, like those have been the two like bugaboos that have plagued the team for like the last decade plus. Um, but yeah, if he can, if he can solve that issue, I don't know if it's bringing in Marcus Davenport, who is a former first round pick for the Saints, good player, a good pass rusher. Um, I, I think that's definitely a move they can make. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited for free agency, man. See what this team does. They get, they got a lot of decisions to make and a big year ahead for the Dirty Birds for sure. So. This is uh, really the only big coaching move that they really had to make this year. The rest of the offseason should be focused on uh, on-field talent as far as the draft free agency goes, and that's a little bit down the road. Um, you know, The Super Bowl is set right now with the Chiefs and the Eagles, so once that ends, things will probably start to heat up as far as the NFL offseason goes. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think we covered it all. Not the most exciting podcast ever, but uh, I got one more, th- one more thing, one final thought here. Breaking, breaking, breaking news. Oh, what is it? The Atlanta Braves just uh, just gave Adini Echeverria a minor oh. league contract and received an invitation to MLB spring training. He's back. There's your shortstop. <laughs> That's pretty crazy, though. I know he's been playing in um, – I think he was playing in Mexico for like the past two years, so the fact that he's made it back is pretty pretty good. <laughs> made it all yeah. the way back. I thought you were about to say Elvis Andrews. I don't have Twitter pulled up or anything. <laughs> I thought you were about to say Elvis Andrews. Oh man, this would have been the greatest news bomb ever. Yeah, right after I just threw his name at the end, I thought you were about to say him. Man, okay. But uh yeah, that's that's cool. I like Adani Hatcheria. He's really good defensively. He's a great defensive player, so that's that's cool. Like Adani His Hatcheria. bat flips. His bat flips are amazing. Yeah, he, he had great bat flips. Hold on. We gotta talk some of Danny real quick. His twenty nineteen when he got to the Braves, he was he was on one. Give me a second. <laughs> I got to pull up his numbers because I know he was as soon as he he took off that Mets uniform and put on the Braves uniform and just turned into a different man. Yeah, batted three twenty eight, four hundred OBP, six thirty nine slugging, a one dot zero three nine OPS with the Braves Woo! in twenty nineteen. Yeah, That's what I'm only twenty four, only seventy plate appearances, but who cares? He had four homers. So that's that's pretty good. He was he was good with the Braves in uh, twenty nineteen. And another fun fact about Hedge Favrillo, in game four of the 2019 NLDS, he almost hit a grand slam that would have sent the Braves to the CS. I will, I'm sure no one actually remembers that because he ended up just being a flyout. But as soon as that ball left his bat, I was convinced that he had just hit a grand slam and the Braves were about to cruise and beat the Cardinals in game four. You know, famously, the Braves lost that game. Rest they lost. Then uh, 10 run first inning, game five. But if that ball was about five feet further, who knows? The Braves might, might not even have a World Series right now. The butterfly effect of that could have ended up with the Braves winning the World Series in 2021. You never know. But uh, how to throw that in there. Love it, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was, a, that was some good breaking news to wrap things up here. So, uh, yeah, any more breaking news before we get out of here? You got anything else that's popped up? That's 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 all I've got in the arsenal. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, Evan Passon over here, breaking news. I love it. <laughs> all right, so yeah, I think we uh, we covered it all on this one. Uh, if you made it this far listening, we really really appreciate it, and we will be back next week with a, another episode. So we will see you then. 